Merry Christmas. You know, I've often asked myself that same question. Mary, did you know? Did you know that the child that you delivered would one day deliver you? Did you know that that sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? For that's exactly how God would introduce himself to Moses. He would call himself the great I am. Mary, did you know? What were you thinking after you gave birth to the Son of God? Well, I knew what my wife was thinking when she gave birth to our first son. Oh, we had a false expectation. You see, we believed that, well, every child comes out looking like the pampers child on the side of the box. We were surprised when we saw this cone-headed, slimy thing, wondering, where did this come from? And my wife, looking at her precious son, out of her mouth, she said, well, he's healthy. (laughs) I knew exactly what she was thinking. But Mary, what were you thinking? For truly, he is the great I am because he's the great God. He's the great king. In fact, wise men would leave the other side of civilization and walk for two years to worship this great king, Isaiah. Hundreds of years before this great king would be born, he would prophesy and he would say of Jesus, That he's wonderful. He's the mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. He would even call him Emmanuel, God with us. When Matthew was writing his gospel, starting the New Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew would borrow from Isaiah's powerful words. And as Zach read earlier from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, Matthew himself would say that Jesus is a great light. He would say of the ministry of Jesus that a light has dawned. Well, I'm a surfer, and there's nothing like a good dawn patrol. I mean, you get out there in the morning, and there's nothing like that crisp air. There's nothing like that, that calming silence Or the cool breeze, and in the state of California, there's nothing like a good wave to yourself early in the morning, right at the dawn of day. And when you see that sun rising above those hills and above those mountains, you just feel different. You feel bright. You feel like a new day has dawned. Everything seems different that early in the morning. Well, that's the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is crisp, it's calm, and it's cool. In fact, it's so calm and so cool that the Bible says that he offers each one of us a peace that passes understanding. A peace that passes understanding. He's been doing this for 2,000 years. 2,000 years he's been giving people the dawn of a new day. Well, the very first dawn patrol, you heard Adam. He spoke of the shepherds. They were in a field at night. And while they were there, oh, the Bible says that a great light shone around them. All of a sudden, there were angels. And angels began to make a pronouncement of the birth of Jesus and told them where to go in order to find this great king. They shouted, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, 
goodwill to men. The shepherds, they would leave that field. They would go to that site. They would see Jesus in a manger, and their lives would never be the same again. A light had dawned in their life. So much so, in this newfound relationship with Jesus Christ, the shepherds, they would leave that manger scene. And the Bible says that they glorified And they worshipped God, much like we're now doing 2,000 years later. A light had dawned in their life. Their life would never be the same. John himself, when he was writing his gospel, in John chapter 1, he would say this, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what Jesus does. The light of Jesus gives people life. He loves people. That's what he does. He gives people a new life. And when the light of his dawn comes into our life, oh, he healed a blind man. And he could see. There was a lame man who couldn't walk, and then he could walk. There was a mute man that couldn't hear, he couldn't speak, and then he could hear, and he could speak. It's what Jesus does. He cares about people, and it was me who realized I am that lame man. I am that blind man. I needed a new dawn in my life to shine. I needed Jesus. And each and every day, he's proved with each and every miracle. For 2,000 years, oh yes, from the walking on water to the feeding of 5,000, that he was sent from God and that he's one with God. His message His message is so simple. He says, I am the light of the world. In John's gospel, he records that he said, I've come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. As I'm paddling out early in the morning, it's amazing to me how dark it is just before the dawn. When I say that, some of you are thinking to yourself, Yeah, I'm being overcome by darkness. I know exactly what you're talking about. I I know exactly what you're saying because I'm in my darkest hour. You see, I see the signs of peace and joy all down Laguna Laguna Niguel. I hear away in a manger and joy to the world, but something's wrong in my heart. You see, let me explain, right? In this dark hour, your family, it's falling apart. Marriage is is miserable. Kids are kicking and screaming. The portfolio, it's plundered. And your dreams of a white Christmas, oh, it's getting dimmer and dimmer. But I got good news. I got great news about a great king. A light has dawned. You see, it's in those situations that Jesus wants to dawn on you the light of a new day. It's what he's been doing since the very beginning of time. You remember in Genesis chapter 1. The world was dark. The earth was dark and without form. And Jesus, he spoke into existence, let there be light. It's what he does. It's his ministry. And at the darkest hour of your life, he wants to shine on you the brightness of his life. Jesus, he's come Because he doesn't want you to remain in darkness. But he wants you to find 
Well, the Bible calls it an inexpressible joy, a joy that shouts joy to the world. The Lord has come. You might be sitting there and go, wait a second, I'm not destitute. But I wonder, are you desperate? You see, you've got everything the world can offer. You've got all of your needs and your wants taken care of. Maybe you've got this great job, but you're wondering why there's this dark hole that seems to be in your heart and in your life that no matter what you have, it's just not enough. It just doesn't fill that dark spot in your life. It's amazing to me, my kids at Christmas, after they've opened up all the gifts, they're still looking for more. And they're wondering, when does the bike come out of the closet? They're wondering when to open the door and they see the car with the big red ribbon on it. Parents, amen? Does anyone have this issue? No one does. Your kids are perfect. God bless you. But the truth of the matter is, that experience describes many of us. We've got everything that we think we want and everything that we think that we need, but yet there's something in us that's desperate and longing for another gift. Something at Christmas, one more gift that will satisfy. Well, it's not a thing, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. He's the only one that can overcome that darkness. He's the only one, whether desperate or destitute, he's the only one that can fill that need. This moment, I call this moment the crack of dawn. It's the moment where the Lord is speaking to you. He's trying to dawn his light on you to help you see things in a different way. It's the crack of dawn. You see, from my bedroom, I I have an opportunity to look at the hills of San Juan Capistrano. I have a a chance every morning to pray over our city. And it's incredible to me That each morning, as I look out my window, at first light, the dawn always breaks through the darkness. Because there's a fact about dawn. Darkness will pass when light comes. That's just the truth. Ralph Waldo Emerson knew it. He's an American poet, and he says this, Every sunset brings the promise of a new dawn. Now, I know you're listening to me, and it seems to be so far from the truth of where you're at, because right now, you're wrestling through the darkness of the night. But I want to promise you something. There is the light at the end of this tunnel. His name is Jesus. He is light. And he wants to dawn a new day in your life. Let me tell you a story about a guy. You see, this guy, he hated Jesus. And he hated people that followed Jesus. The darkness of his hatred was so powerful and strong, he decided to go on a trip. He was on a road to Damascus. And as he was on this road to Damascus, a city right there in Syria still standing today, this man, Saul, was on his way to destroy anyone or anything that represented anything about Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He hated Jesus. And in the darkness of that life, in the darkness of that moment, it was Jesus' opportunity. Well, the Bible says as he was on this road, a great light shone from heaven. And Saul, so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus in, for his life, 
right then and right there with the light of the love of Jesus in his darkest moment, he believed. He believed. He believed so much so that no one could call him Saul again. They had to call him Paul because he would never be the same again. Of The light of a new day had dawned in his life because in Jesus, in Jesus is life. And he's the life and the light of men. So I have a question. Why not allow his light to dawn in your heart? Now, maybe I'm speaking to the one that's struggling with faith, and maybe you're wondering, why am I even in this church? But I'm also speaking to the believer. It's the same question to each one of us this Christmas season. And the question is, why not allow his light to dawn in your heart, to refresh you, to revive you? Paul, oh, this man that was made new, He had a new day dawn in his life. Oh, he would then become one who would write almost half of the New Testament. And he wrote a church. It was called the church at Ephesus. And what he wrote to them was this. He wrote to believers, awake you who sleep. Christ will give you light. You see, in my room, I also have curtains that can, well, I can close those curtains. And they're sunblock curtains. And these curtains, they don't let any light, they don't allow any sunlight to enter. And I can make the choice to close those curtains, and I can make the choice to miss the dawning light, sleep right through the beauty of that moment. In fact, close those curtains and not allow any light or any visual of the dawn of a new day. And our sin, believer, our sin is just like the curtains in my room. And we can choose to close the curtain of our heart. We can, in a sense, run a red spiritual light by choosing to go our own way and doing Christianity the way that we want to do it instead of the way that Jesus has said is the way, the truth, and the life. I call these Christmas fowls. Christmas fowls. Oh, you know what they are. One year, I bought my wife a vacuum cleaner. Didn't go over so well. It's a Christmas foul. Major Christmas foul. Another Christmas foul. Oh, one year we decided that we were not going to buy gifts for each other. Well, I showed up at Christmas. I didn't have a gift. She had a gift. And I said, Andrea, we talked. We're not doing gifts. And she said, that's what came out of my mouth, but that's not what's in my heart. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Christmas foul. Another Christmas file. Parents, listen. You think your kids are going to like the clothes that you bought them. Christmas file. Keep the receipt. They will take it back. That is a major Christmas file. But here, to me, I think is one of the greatest Christmas files that I have ever done. Listen. Forgetting that the person you are re-gifting is the one who gave you the gift in the first place. Major Christmas file. You see, a Christmas foul is doing the things knowing, excuse me, doing the things that we know we should not do. Believer, listen. A Christmas foul is holding on to unforgiveness. A Christmas foul is holding on to resentment when Jesus knows all it does is hurt you. A Christmas foul 
is choosing not to do something that you know you should do, like standing in the Christmas Eve line at Walmart that you're about to go to and not being kind, shoving your way to get up to the top instead of using the moment to share the good news of Jesus. It's a Christmas foul. Now, the beauty, believer, is this, that when we run a red spiritual light, Jesus paid the price of our sin. And what he does, oh, and I love how he does it. He paid the price for our sin on the cross, and what he does is he brings it to light. He uses the lights to pull us over, to remind us, no, you're going the wrong way. You're going to get hurt. I want to protect you. And where we've closed the curtains of our heart, he wants to simply expose it so that we can be made new and at the dawn of a new day. And he says, all you gotta do is confess. Our faith is so simple. He says, if you just confess, that's it. If you just confess your sin, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you. I just want you to be honest and humble enough to say, I was wrong. And then here's what he does. He gives us a green light to move forward in our faith. Paul, who was so radically changed, listen to what he wrote the Roman church. It's in Romans chapter 13. He says this. The night is far gone. The day's at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Listen. Did you know question is not just for Mary. Did you know that this child who was delivered can deliver you? I pray that you'll have the confidence like the psalmist in chapter 27 and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid?